No, I'm just kidding. My name is Lisa Hennett. I'm an alcoholic. It's good to be here. The stage wasn't as terrifying as I thought it was. I remembered it very differently, but um, yeah. So I have a sobriety date. It's March 9th, 2016. I have a sponsor and I sponsor. This is my home group. Um, and it's always, this group has always felt like a home group, even when it technically was not. I, I came here regularly and it's just a solid group. It's always consistent. So um, happy to finally join. Um, so yeah, I'll get started. I was born in Virginia Beach. Uh, I lived there for 20 years. Um, <clears throat> I have two brothers and was raised mainly by my mom, who is not an alcoholic. And uh, her and my dad actually divorced when I was two years old, so I can't necessarily blame them for me being an alcoholic because I don't remember. Um, and <laughs> I uh, spent every other weekend, for the most part, with my dad. Um, he is actually from Boston. He's the youngest of 13, Irish Catholic, um, and so lots of aunts and uncles, all of them alcoholic, except for one. Um, and he's actually the odd man out, so he's the one that's not accepted in the family. <laughs> um, so my point is saying that I, I I saw a good amount of um, what alcohol uh, did to an alcoholic. And I really had some, I was very familiar with AA. Um, I knew a lot of family members that came to meetings, although I did not know that it was a way of life. Uh, when I was little, I thought that it was a place you went when you got a DUI and you stayed there for a little bit and learned how to drink better and then came home but didn't drink better. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I would see, I guess, just um, how loving my family was and then they were different with alcohol and didn't think that that had much to do with me didn't think for a second that maybe I needed to be cautious. I thought, um, I don't know what I thought. Just didn't think it had anything to do with me. I didn't have uh, two thoughts about not drinking. Um, and I was always a scared kid. Um, pretty weird, actually. I didn't do well in school. I didn't do well in like groups of people. Um, and I was just terrified. And I don't really know if there was a reason. I just felt like my insides were on the outside for as long as I can remember. Um, really shy, really sensitive, and um, hid under the kitchen table a lot, which is a weird, weird thing. My family never like pointed out that that might be odd, you know, that they're having a dinner. And then at some point I just went under the table and sat there for the rest of dinner. They could have given me a heads up that that was not normal behavior, but um, yeah. I, uh, I took my first drink when I was 15, and I had gone to Bush Gardens with some friends, and 
one of my friends had mixed a bunch of liquor together. So just like everything you can think of under the, you know, cabinet or whatever, just gin, you know, Jaeger. I don't know if Jaeger was back then. I'm kind of older now. Um, but gin, tequila, like all the things that don't go together. And it was just like this brown color. It was in a Gatorade bottle. And I drank it. And um, it fixed me. And I could breathe. The ninth step promises came true that day. <laughs> they really did. I wasn't scared of people. I wasn't thinking about the past. I wasn't dreading the future. Um, I could just be present. I could be in the moment and felt like I was part of. Um, and so, I, of course, I didn't become an everyday drinker right then, but, but that was in my mind of like, this is how I solve my problems. This is how I fit in. This is what fixes me immediately. And um, continued to go to school and somehow graduate. I don't remember graduating whatsoever. I, uh, I still have nightmares about that, actually. <laughs> And I'm like running through the halls trying to graduate. I think that's because I blacked out and I don't remember. So now I'm haunted by that for the rest of my life. Um, so I didn't see a need for college. Um, when I was a kid, I actually did a lot of dance and was pretty good at it. Was good at ballet and had this dream of going to Juilliard. And I mean, that was immediately flushed far, far away. Um, so I got into some sales and distribution with the boyfriend that I had met and <clears throat> we grew a lot of plants in our house. Um, and it made me feel like cool. It made me feel, um, I, I don't know. I just kind of liked the lifestyle of, of being bad and being the party girl and, I don't know, and, and all of it really underneath was because I was just so scared, so terrified of life. Um, so I just made the best of it, I guess. Um, me and that uh, boyfriend broke up, and that was actually the only one my sponsor told me not to make amends to, that it was best that I just leave him alone. Um, yeah, kind of put him through a lot, but I moved here because my mom moved here when I was about 16. I thought that she moved here uh, for a job, which she got a job here, but she, she moved to kind of get away from me, which I found out later. I was a little bit of a mess. Um, you know, that alcohol, since it worked so well, everything was on the table for me. Um, and I immediately did whatever anybody had. And so, uh, yeah, I moved here and started bartending. That seemed like my best option. Um, that's where I fit in the most. And very early on, I saw that, like, I would drink and drink more than I wanted to, right? Like, I wanted to, I never wanted to just have a couple drinks. But I did want to get to this point of, of feeling okay and being able to party and be funny. 
I didn't want to go past that and be sloppy and, you know, disrespect everybody, get in fights, get thrown out of bars. Um, and, and I would pass that point a lot and I would black out, uh, which used to be funny. And then somewhere around like 22, 23, it just, it wasn't as cute as I thought it was. Um, and I started not doing funny things. It was more like, yeah, like you, you hit on my husband and um, you danced on the bar and fell off into the ice bin. And just like things that I would hear and just like cringe at, like it was just, oh God. And that would, that would start to get worse. Um, <laughs> I got into the rave scene a little bit. That was interesting. Um, and I was, uh, I'm actually still friends with a couple of those DJs. They're actually AA members now, go figure. And we would, um, we were like the cool people that were just there for like the music, right? It wasn't the drugs, it wasn't to party. Like we were like real, you know, we loved electronic music. And I can tell you that in sobriety, I don't, I don't like that music at all. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's really repetitive, really repetitive, and I, it's just not as, um, not as thrilling as I thought it once was, but um, I continued to bartend, continued to get fired from places, um, and, you know, wasn't quite fitting in as well. Like, I would kind of center myself around hard drinkers, and, and it's bad when the hard drinkers are kind of like, wow, you, you really need to get your shit together. Um, so I, uh, it got to the point where like I was having to stop at the ABC store before getting to my job, which is sad because I helped myself to all the liquor at the bar. So why did I need to go to the ABC store and fill my pockets with airplane bottles? You know, like I was going to steal the liquor at the bar anyways. Um, it just, I don't know, like just odd behavior. And, but that, that was always easily brushed aside because what else was I gonna do? Um, alcohol, I just needed it, you know? And if you had lived my life and if you had had the fear that I have and you feel like I do every day and you drink too. Um, and so I had, stolen my mom's car when I was about 21, and um, technically it is stealing. I didn't look at it that way because it's my mom, but um, stole that and went to a bar, felt like I didn't have enough, and so I wanted to go to an after party, and I got lost somewhere on Lake Wheeler Road, and um, I guess decided to take a nap. So I didn't even pull off. I just stopped in the middle of the road and gave up. And um, the cops were a little worried because I had, you know, the breathalyzer was kind of off the charts and I maybe weighed like 100 pounds back then. And um, I remember them wanting to take me to the hospital. And I was like, I'm fine. This is cool. This is awesome. And, um, because it was just a rite of passage. Everybody I knew had a DUI. Like, cool, like I'm gonna be in the slammer. That's awesome. Um, and 
I did what every good alcoholic does, and I got Rick Gannon back in the day. If anybody knows who that is, that's the man lawyer that he get, got everybody out of DUIs, and he did get me out of a DUI. I got one ticket for impeding traffic. Um, and nobody at the courthouse understood that. They were like, impeding traffic? Yeah, it's a long story, so I'll just pay for that. Um, and my mom had picked me up from, from jail, you know, before I had gotten off of that charge. And I remember we went to Chili's for lunch. Uh, we met my brother there, and I ordered a margarita right after getting out of jail. And they both looked at me like, what's wrong with you? And it just, it, it was normal to me. Like, why wouldn't I have a margarita? It was lunchtime. We're at Chili's. Um, and my mom had said something to me. She said, why don't, you, why don't you stop drinking for a year and see how it goes? Like, you don't think you have a problem? You could probably stop for a year. And I just remember thinking, like, that makes no sense at all. Like, you're crazy. Everybody my age is like this. Um, so fast forward a little bit, series of bad relationships. Um, and I'd tell you a different story back then that I was a victim, um, but I've done a four step, a few of them. And I was equally as, uh, maybe more of a mess actually than they were. So I, um, Let's see, went to rehab for the first time at 24. And I went to ATC back in the day, that was Wakebrook, and I think it's all closed now. Um, but I went there and had no plans of not drinking again. Like, I wasn't an alcoholic, I just needed to get off the opiates um, because my life was crashing fast. And, and it, was, it was easy to tell that I had an issue with that, you know, being physically sick every day if I don't have something. But alcohol, alcohol's fine and everything else is on the table as well. So I went there and heard some people talk about an Oxford house. Um, they had meetings come in. They actually used to take us to meetings back then. And um, I don't know, I just, I didn't think that I fit in. And AA seemed like a miserable, dry place to be. It seemed like it was a bunch of people that, um, that actually didn't like alcohol. And I loved it. Um, so I didn't take any of their suggestions. They said, you know, you probably shouldn't be a bartender again. You should probably make some changes, blah, blah, blah. I do remember one of those AA meetings coming in and it was a bartender that I had known for a really long time. And she came in with the meeting, and she, had looked, she looked the best that she had ever looked. I do remember that clear as day. She sat down, um, she had peace, and she was glowing, and she spoke well, and I mean, that, didn't, that made no sense to me. <laughs> um, but her life had changed. Uh, she was, I barely recognized her. Um, and so, I got out and I immediately drank that night. I went to a DJ Icy concert um, and, you know, uh, drank there and loved the music um, and things just went right back to, to how they were. Um, and so 
I started stealing from work a good, a good bit. Um, I had gotten employed somehow at Lucky Bee's downtown and um, worked there for quite some time. And um, I just played the victim card, I guess, really well. I really did. And, and they gave me chance after chance after chance. And um, I would go to rehab, come back, be okay for a little while. And, and then go downhill and make up excuses like, you know, oh, my medication's off, you know, or there was one Halloween that like, they said that I had two bottles of liquor and I was going to pour a drink, um, but instead just kind of <laughs> nodded out for a little bit and had to be woken up. Um, and I'm like, that's my medication. It was just off, it was off that night. And one night I decided, apparently, I don't remember this at all, that I would kick everybody out around 11 p.m. Um, full bar, but turned all the lights on and just asked everybody to go. We were open till... <laughs> we were open till 2.30. It was just very, very confusing. Um, and that was one of those things I would hear, you know, the next day and just cringe, like, oh my God, train wreck. Um, so things uh, progressed, of course. Um, I ended up uh, using needles. Um, sorry. I um, <laughs> don't know how else to say it. I don't want to, you know, throw in a riddle. But, um, because <laughs> I remember hearing those when I was new, and I'm like, what is an outside substance? I don't know what y'all are talking about. Um, but, so yeah, I did, and I would uh, use that in my feet, because I thought that everybody didn't know, um, and I thought that I was fooling everybody, and so... I ended up getting a really bad infection, um, and I won't go into detail because I've done that before, and everybody kind of starts going like, ugh, and then it makes me feel bad. But it wasn't good, and I played it off like I had just sprained my foot. I just, but it started to, to turn black and not smell good, and my mom saw it, and I didn't want to go to the hospital, so I was trying to, I'm like, it'll just, it'll go away. Um, and she finally saw it and she took me straight to the hospital and I knew they were going to know what it was and they did and um, I remember being in there and they were like do you want something for pain and yes absolutely um, and then the doctor came in and said so we have to admit you and you're gonna stay here for a while. This is a really bad infection and, and I'm gonna do surgery, but you might not keep your foot. And I was just like, why is, why is he being so dramatic? Like, what is going on? And so, wasn't nervous, wasn't scared, didn't really think anything about it and I stayed there. And, and honestly, that felt like a vacation to me, staying in a hotel, or hotel, hospital bed. Um, <laughs> been there too. But I, I stayed there, and, and they would just keep the medication coming. And so that was, that was great for me. Um, they did tape off my hospital, like the door to my room, which made me feel a little bit bad about myself because it was like caution. 
Anyways, I got out of there and no, no, no thought, no, maybe things are bad. Um, I did, you know, promise my mom and promise everybody like I would get straight and I would have moments of wanting to, to do better. Um, you know, she cried when I was in the hospital and, and she was so full of fear and I wanted to fix that. And I remember thinking like, of course, I'm not going to live this way anymore. Like this is enough. Who would, who would drink and, and do these things after this? Uh, and I did, I did. And so I would have these moments of clarity and, and no action would be followed. And so I would go right back to what I know, who I am, and I have this brain that just, it'll be different this time. I'll change it up. Um, I'll mix this with that. I'll just get prescriptions. I'll only drink beer. I'll do a cleanse because Beyonce does a cleanse and she seems to look great after it. I did do a cleanse one time. That was hilarious because um, I still drank and smoked cigarettes and did everything else during it. <laughs> Kind of cleanse was that but it was only natural wine um <laughs> so i went to the old healing place at 27 and i really thought that i would not make it past 27 i i thought that i would pass away like all the other famous people and and just have like this poster of you know kurt cobain and janice joplin and lisa daly <laughs> And so I went there, and um, that was some action followed by a moment of clarity. Um, and I had known, it wasn't like I show up there and then I find out what it actually is. I knew that it was a long-term treatment center. Um, I knew that it was connected to a homeless shelter. I had dropped some women off there before, and had some boyfriends over at the men's and so I knew all about it. Um, I'd been to some of the meetings at the men's because I wanted to be a supportive girlfriend, you know. <laughs> Even went there after my foot surgery <laughs> and had like this big cast on my leg and I was going there to be supportive for him and um, it wasn't for me, but <clears throat> yeah. I went to the women's and, and got introduced to AA. I thought I knew what AA was, and I had no idea. I had no idea. I thought it was come to a bunch of meetings and then sit there with people that I thought were miserable. And um, my perspective was just, you know, I have this thing where I won't know anything about something and I'll, I'll judge it completely. Right, like I won't actually do any kind of research or, or look into it. I'll just be like, eh, that's not, not gonna work. Um, and I knew it was, well, God is in the steps. It's not a secret. So I, I didn't have any kind of resentments or any kind of like bad things happen as far as that goes. Like nobody like, you know, made me go to church or, or whatever, quizzed me on the Bible, but um, I just didn't, I didn't think it had anything to do with me. It didn't seem like a solution. Obviously, my solution would be medication. Um, it is not, or, you know, some kind of mixture that I hadn't tried. I, 
I also wanted to go to um, Peru to take ayahuasca. I thought that would fix me. I'd seen like some law and order special victims unit where this guy did that and I don't know, he was better for that 60 minute show. So obviously, <laughs> obviously it would work for me and I could just trip for a few days and figure out, you know, why I am the way, the way I am. And um, I could never get up enough money and nobody would, <laughs> nobody would lend it to me. I, so I stayed at the, the healing place and I got, I got a sponsor. I hated when everybody talked about God. It made me cringe. Um, but I stayed and I ended up getting a sponsor that really, I could tell, loved God. And I guess that was just, you know, gosh, if I get her, then maybe some of that will rub off. Because I was tired of hurting everybody. I was tired of living like an animal um and so i did get her i was i was scared to death of the the fifth step um i remember that i remember looking at that step and being like oh my god because that's the exact opposite of how i was living i had never been honest with anybody i'd always been fake i had always tried to adjust myself to make you like me and and anything that i was embarrassed about or shameful about i just kind of pushed away um i didn't want to be human right and, and i just didn't feel like i fit in with you guys so i i did go through with that fifth step and i was honest with her and it was shocking actually she didn't run out of the room. Um, she didn't look at me like I was disgusting. And she also didn't treat me like a victim, but that wasn't, that didn't feel good. <laughs> like I have some sad stories. I never got like a, and um, poor thing, no wonder. I never got that, and, and I was kind of expecting that to happen, but uh, she really kind of hammered in on, like, where were you wrong? And not really talking about how mean the other people were, and she taught me about the resentment prayer and that I didn't have to pray for those people. She taught me that I pray for myself, that I, that I can't be angry and have a relationship with God. I can't have some kind of power flow into me um, if I'm angry, if I'm resentful and, and any kind of fear or selfishness will block me off from that power and I won't be able to stay sober. So I didn't say a bunch of fake prayers about, I hope that you have the best life ever. And still to this day, especially this year, I will continue to say over and over, God save me from being angry. God save me from being angry. Um, even if it's justified, I don't get to be angry. And so we went through that and she talked to me about making amends and I ended up staying and completing that, that program, which took a year and a half um, and moving out and having an apartment and having a car and things that I actually paid for, um, insurance on that car, and I got a registration. These are not things that I ever did. 
Um, health insurance, big deal. Big deal for somebody like me. Um, and so I started sponsoring people right away. In fact, she had me helping people way before the 12 step. And it didn't make any sense to me. It made zero sense to me whatsoever. I would call, I would have a bad day, and she would be like, you should go help somebody. And it's just, fine, right? Like, fine, I'll go do that. And, and I would start to see that my problems would kind of disappear. And what I thought was like, I have all this anxiety and I have all these issues that I gotta get solved. I would go talk to another alcoholic and, and those problems got smaller and I would feel this purpose, which, I mean, that's just the best feeling in the world. To me, anyways, I had never felt purpose before in my life. I had never felt that, you know, I'm part of something good. And um, <clears throat> so I sponsored women, and I don't know exactly what happened. I stayed sober for about four years. Um, and kept some old behavior, kept some old ideas, never really had this relationship with God that you guys talked about. I absolutely spoke and shared in meetings and told you about this wonderful relationship with God that I had, but I didn't do any of it. Like, I didn't read something spiritual in the morning. Um, maybe I prayed sometimes when I was, like, in a jam, Meditation just kind of completely got taken off of that. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely on the 11th step, but I didn't see it. Um, so I got this crazy idea that I could probably drink like a normal person. I'd sponsored enough people and done enough good things that um, I don't know. Like, I just need to stay away from the other stuff. And I remember calling my sponsor. <laughs> And saying, like, I don't think I'm an alcoholic. And, I mean, I'm bored. Like, I'm, what am I going to do this for the rest of my life? Like, this is boring. And, um, he said, like, what do you want to go out and, like, commit felonies? <laughs> yeah, I do, actually. I didn't say yes, but I did. I did want to do that. Um, <laughs> and then he said something really, really simple that I'll always remember. Because this is like being powerless over alcohol, right? Um, he said, is your life better? Is your life better than it had ever been? And it was. I had my own apartment. I had a job. Bills were getting paid. I had my dog. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. And, uh, and then he said, why do you think that your life is better now? AA cool, I'm going to go drink now. Um, and, and I did. I drank normally for one night, the first night. And it was on. And I started drinking like I had never drank in my entire life. Like morning till night, somehow kept my job. I think people just feel really bad for me. I think I'm just that much of a train wreck that they're like, oh my God, just stay employed here because you're probably going to die. Um, and so... Worked at a high-end, actually, restaurant downtown. 
And these people from AA would come in, and I'm just like, why are they stalking me? <laughs> it's a big deal, you know? Um, and <laughs> it was pretty evident after 30 days that I was absolutely an alcoholic. Um, I had tried to stop drinking, and then I was hallucinating, um, and I got taken to Wakebrook. And <clears throat> the first night I was there, I was like, this is such an upgrade from like before when I came here to HEC, because now they have big screen TVs, I'm in this room, it's all luxurious, and I was seeing things. They don't have TVs, and when one of the staff members came in, I was twirling around because I thought that um, Sound of Music was on the TV. So I was just singing along, having a great time. <laughs> and they were like, come with us, ma'am. So we went to the, the med closet, and I'm sure they dosed me up with a bunch of stuff, but I don't, remember, I don't really remember my stay there. Um, and I got up, I got out and I drank immediately. Immediately. There was no thought. So <clears throat> that would continue for a while until um, I would start going to meetings and trying to come back. And I would go to, I would try to maintain, right? So I would have a couple drinks and go to a meeting and because I didn't want to have a seizure, um, I would leave and drink. And I, found a different sponsor and got right on a four step, just like I believe, right? Like, let's get, let's get to the steps fast, let's get to the solution and start helping people. And I wanted to get that four step done, so I got some meth, <laughs> got the four step done. I mean, these, it's just, I'm not, I don't think I'm a stupid person, right? But there's something in my brain that's just like, no, this makes sense, this is fine. Um, and, so I went on a, a four-day run and ended up getting arrested because I was going the wrong way, driving down Capitol Boulevard. Um, I remember making a U-turn and thinking, like, why are the cops still following me? Like, I made the U-turn. Now I'm going the right way. We're all overreacting. And so they pulled me over, and I was just irritated. Um, And got taken to jail. They were very nice, actually. The, the cops were very nice to me. I was saying how, like, I was in AA and I'm trying to get back to AA. And I can't be in that Slammer magazine because, you know, I was a somebody and they're going to see my face. And it's just, I can't be in it. And they were like, no, you're not going to be in it. We're not going to take a mugshot of you. In fact, you're not going to jail. You're going to this new building. And um, they took me to jail, and I was in the slammer. <laughs> had a mugshot. I actually had one of my friends send me when I got out. He texted me my mugshot, and then said, "Whoops, I meant to send that to somebody else." <laughs> of course, William likes that. You know, we all do that. It's fine. It's like, all right, cool deal. Um, so I ended up uh, detoxing on my couch and 
said some version of the third step prayer and um, got evicted from my apartment and went to the healing place and worked the steps immediately. And I got out of, I left there um, after about 30 days and had sponsees and um, just tried to do this to the best of my, my ability. Like sobriety has been, has been, I always had this, this vision of like sobriety, you know, it just kind of goes up, 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 better, better, better. And that's not life. And no one ever told me that, but that's just something I assumed. Um, and life shows up, life shows up. Um, I still get anxiety. I still have issues with people. I still get resentments, blah, blah, blah. I still make mistakes, right? Um, but I'm honest with my sponsor. I try to stay current with my sponsor. There's a difference of like, now I just, I used to like kind of tell all the, the good stories and all the people that I was helping, but like, I have to be transparent. There are some times when he's in a bad mood and I'll be like, I'll tell you tomorrow. Um, this can wait. <laughs> he doesn't know that. Uh, so this year's been probably the hardest year of my life. It has not been the worst. I wouldn't trade it for any sort of kind of living in addiction, living in, in alcoholism. Um, like, there's tools today, you know? And, and I don't know, I have found that power. And that power, for me, came a lot through meditation and, and seeking that out and learning about it and practicing it. Um, meditation is, is honestly why I have not gone back to the nut house, which I've been there in sobriety. Um, meditation has saved my life, and um, this program has saved my life. And I hope that somebody here, if you're struggling, has gotten some kind of message of hope that, that this can actually work for anyone, and, um, and you can still have fun. So thank